Welcome to Follow to Lead, where we discover how to listen for and follow God's call so that we might lead others to God. Our shared stories of inspiration from religious leaders and those active in the educational ministry of the church can help you know better how God is calling you and the role passionate Catholic education plays in spreading His message of faith, hope, and love. Now please welcome the hosts of Follow to Lead, Father Randy Sly and Kyle Pietrantonio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Christ the teacher, teach us to listen. Teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear your voice calling us to cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the truth, beauty, and goodness only you can offer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Welcome to Follow to Lead, a journey twice a month into the world of Catholic education, our faith, and what it, uh, and exploring what it means to follow God in order to lead others to Him. I'm Kyle Pietrantonio, your co-host. And I'm Father Randy Sly, and uh, today we will be talking with Father Michael Zimmerman, who currently serves as the Assistant Vocation Director for the Archdiocese of Boston as well as an adjunct scripture professor at St. John's Seminary. He's a graduate of Boston University and completed his pre-theology work at St. John's Seminary. And uh, after seminary studies at the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome, he was ordained a priest in 2017. And when the world went into lockdown with the pandemic in the spring of 2020, Father Michael used the time to write 27 scripts for a series of vocation videos called Sivius. And this video series serves as a guide for men discerning the priesthood. Father Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you, Father Andy. Thank you, Kyle. It's great to be with you all. Father Michael, we're so glad uh, you could join Follow to Lead. And um, as we do with each of our guests, we always like uh, beginning just understanding a bit about your own background and, and your upbringing, if you could start there for us. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I appreciate the introduction um, by Father Randy. So I'm a native of the Boston area, grew up in a town called Needham um, in, in, a, in a Catholic family um, in that we went to Sunday Mass in Catholic schools. Um, my dad was actually, he's Protestant. He's not really practicing the faith. Um, so in a way, it, it's really been amazing how God has led me on this journey and brought people into my life and really uh, drawn me deeper. So when I was in high school, was when I really started to get involved in my faith uh, through the help of a youth group and a number of good friends, kind of experiencing Jesus in the sacraments that really kind of convinced me that uh, the Catholic faith was a real deal. And this is, um, you know, worth giving uh, my life to in a certain sense. Um, I didn't really think about vocation, though, in becoming a priest until I was in college at Boston University. And there was a number of religious brothers that Gay, uh, that ran the campus ministry. And it was through their example of their life and their community and their prayer that I began to think like, maybe this is what God is calling me to do. Um, so that was kind of like what set me off on, on this trajectory. I'd happy to talk more about that kind of vocational discernment or more of my background, but um, that's, I guess, the initial seeds that were planted early on. Well, yeah. Tell us a little bit of your vocation story. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so as I mentioned, those religious brothers played a huge role. Um, they were good, normal guys, very relatable, but also really holy too, really inspiring. And 
as I said, I, I, I saw that this is a good life. I could see myself doing this. The only challenge was I had a girlfriend of three years at that point uh, when I was a freshman in college. And uh, I wasn't really good at lying. <laughs> so I told her, you know, I was thinking about this and she was not too keen on that idea, you might imagine. So seeing how upset she was, uh, I ran away from it. I was like, I'm just making this up. This isn't real. But then the next year as a sophomore in college, the question came back again. And this time it was through um, the priest there preaching on 1 Corinthians 7. St. Paul gives the advice, his counsel is, um, if you can remain celibate for the sake of the kingdom, you know, I, I suggest doing so to give your life more fully to Christ and to uh, serving the kingdom of God. And, and I was at that point, I was like, I think I could do that if I needed to. <laughs> so I met with one of the brothers and I was like, what, what does that mean? And he's like, well, you know, it kind of means what it says. Uh, but at the very least you should pray about it. You should ask God if this is what he's inviting you to do. So I began a period of much more intentional discernment um, with this religious brother. And he had put together a program which is very much an inspiration and a source for this program, Shivias, um, that I put together about discernment, recognizing how important having somebody um, or yeah, someone lead me, but also having a, a source for reflection and like uh, guided meditations and things like that to, to draw me deeper. And it was during those times that I began to see, I felt the most peace in times of prayer, joy in times of service, especially in the church. And ultimately, I felt God calling me to give myself to him in such a way that I wouldn't be able to give myself to a wife and to a family in the way they would deserve. I'm um, just being one person feeling called to go totally all in. Um, and so in, in a way, it was first a discernment of a, a feeling of a call to celibacy. Um, again, this was not easy because I had a girlfriend now of four years at this point. Um whom I love very much, um, I began to see we were starting to grow in different directions. We were becoming different people. It wasn't really going to work out anyway. Uh, but still, I was 20 years old. We've been dating four years. That's 20% of your life. That was a huge decision for me. And um, so, yeah, we ended up mutually breaking up. And afterwards, there was, even though it was a lot of turmoil and angst leading up to that moment, afterwards, there was like peace and constellation. Like, oh, that was the right decision that was the right thing to do. Um, and I began to see that God could provide uh, for this desire for a relationship that I had. You know, I'd been speaking with my girlfriend on the phone for an hour every day, and that was who I turned to in many ways. Um, but now, like, where do I go with that? <laughs> um, and I began to see that, oh, God could provide for, for me in that way. So yeah, in the beginning, it was a, a recognizing a call to celibacy. And then not really sure where to go with that. So staying in college, discerning with these, these religious brothers, starting to look at the priesthood more. Um, and over the next two years, eventually discerned a call to the diocesan priesthood. So that I entered seminary, St. John's Seminary, right after I graduated college. And Father Michael, fast forward a bit after your ordination, uh, you know, typically you get a, a, a pastoral associate type of assignment uh, in, in a parish. Uh, tell us a little bit about that part of your journey before ultimately being asked to, to help in the vocations office. Yeah, so I've been ordained a priest four and a half years at this point. Uh, it started actually 
so I was ordained and then I had one more year of study. So I went back to Rome and I was actually in Jerusalem for a semester as well. And I was doing my scriptural studies, finishing a license there. Uh, so I had a, I had a, a victory lap, you know, a repeat year almost <laughs> um, before I received a, a full-time assignment back in Boston. And I, I spent a year in, uh, in Arlington, Massachusetts, and it was like a two-parish collaborative, uh, St. Agnes and St. Camillus. It had a, a grade school, it had a high school, it had a community center with after-school programs. So it was, we had like 10 weekend masses, you know, four funerals a week. It was, it was uh, firing on all cylinders. We were moving along. Um, it was beautiful. I mean, I really love the people there. I really loved the assignment. Uh, came as a bit of a shock to me just a year into this assignment that I was uh, asked to be assistant vocations director. So did that move into a part-time position while you were still at the parish or did you move full-time into the, uh, into the office at that point? Yeah, full-time in vocations uh, with wow. the, I, that same year I began teaching at the seminary as well. So just one course in the spring, one course in the fall, uh, introduction to scripture for the, the new uh, pre-theologians. Uh, but yeah, full-time, full-time in vocations. So when you uh, moved into the vocation office, uh, it wasn't too long after that, that we entered into yeah. <laughs> the pandemic. <laughs> so we were all working remote. So did the germ of the idea for Shivius kind of come before the pandemic? Or was that kind of in the back of your mind and this gave you opportunity? Or is this something that was born out of your uh, basically being sheltered in place? Yeah. I, you know, people ask me about vocations and how they're doing in Boston and stuff. And I'm like, I've only been in here during the pandemic. I don't know what it was like before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, this is, this is uncharted territory for me and in every regard, but um, yeah. So I began in October, 2019 and then obviously the pandemic coming in March of 2020. So I really just had a couple months during that brief time though, already I began to see that that people didn't really know how to discern God's will, uh, no fault of their own, but it's like they didn't have, they didn't even know where to begin. You know, maybe there's this desire of like, yeah, I want to know God's will. I want to find my place and my purpose in life, but not having any clear direction where to go. And so I meet with individuals one-on-one, -on -one, but one, you know, the amount of time I was able to meet with them felt like uh, it wasn't enough. Um, and then I wasn't able to meet with everyone and I'm sure there's dozens of other, you know, hundreds of other people out there that are asking these same questions that I don't even know who they are. So recognizing, I really did see the need for some sort of resource to help with discernment that isn't, wasn't just a like vocational, like, like a, a witness talk, kind of like a vocational story, kind of like I just shared, like, that's helpful. That's inspiring, but there's only like, it's like a drop in the buckets. It's like, like, okay, that's great. Uh, how do I apply that to my life? Um, you know, you just summarized your entire life in like a few moments. How do I start to live that out? And yeah, there are books as well that talk about, um, like, what is the priesthood? What are the evangelical councils? But on a deeper level, recognizing that need, kind of how I experienced in college of someone guiding me through a process, somebody walking me through the steps of where do I begin and how do I go forward? And so that was really the root of it all. 
And that was before the pandemic. But then when the pandemic happened, it was like, okay, well, I've, I've got some free time now. And I, I really wrote, I wrote the episodes, 27 episodes in a matter of about two weeks, probably. Um, so it came pretty quick. The filming, on the other hand, that took a lot longer than the editing. <laughs> so, Father Michael, uh, I have a priest friend, you know, who says, you know, it's not a vocational crisis that we have in the church at the moment. It's a crisis in faith um, and, and a real cultural crisis uh, that all those in the ministry of the Catholic Church uh, right now are confronted with. Uh, in your work in vocations, you know, uh, how do you get how do you bypass some of, of, of this uh, to, to kind of bring your apostolate, this, this program now, uh, you know, to, to, the, to the masses, so to speak, when there is already a, almost a veil uh, that, that is blocking so much inroad that we're trying to do um, for Christ, you know, through our, through our respective ministries? Yeah, um, that's a whole... That's a whole bomb of a question, I feel like. <laughs> uh, that's a great question. We can start to untangle that. I think first, just to recognize, I, I do agree. I believe it's, it's fundamentally more crisis of faith. Um, so in terms of the work that I do most directly, like hands-on, um, I, I choose to get, try to be involved with the communities of faith that I know are active in, in Boston. Because I do, vocations are a fruit you know, in terms of thinking about religious or priestly vocations, they're a fruit of faith and really communities of faith for the most part that people are living it out because yeah, priest or religious, they don't make sense by themselves, only relationship to other people. So really in communities of faith where it comes about. And so when I go, I usually, uh, oftentimes I don't even talk about vocations. Like I'm just here to support you and your ministry. I'm here to connect. You have questions about life. You know, I want to help. I'm happy to meet with you. Um, so really just trying to help people grow in their faith and ultimately God's the one who's planted, you know, the one who's calling them and he's going to draw that out. And if I, I mean, maybe there's somebody I, I could see, like, you know, I think you would make a good priest, but at first I want to get to know them. I'm not just going to like, you know, like shotgun approach or firing from the hip, but it's really like, I, I think God's more like a sniper. I feel like, <laughs> um, but what's, what's interesting, even though I go in, I don't even talk about vocations because I have the reputation as the vocations director. Um, sometimes people are just like, oh, you're just here to recruit. You're just here to tell me what to do, you, you know. And I, I was reflecting on this and I think there's this fear of a vocation director. But what it really is on a deeper level is there's a fear of God. You know, people are afraid of God. They're afraid of what he might ask of them, what he might demand of them. They're afraid that God doesn't really want them to be happy, um, that he, is, he can't be trusted. Um, so in that way, it really is a crisis of faith. And so this series on a much deeper level, and later on in the series, we talk about vocation, the priesthood. But first, it's just like learning to trust God and that he is good. And that's how the series begins. And hopefully, as you said, it's, it can bypass our broken communities and our lack of um, human interaction with each other so that we can meet in a, where so many people spend much of our time on, on a digital platform. Uh, Father Michael, when you, when you began to approach uh, this whole idea of using video to maybe uh, be a, a means through which you can help to uh, bring about some discernment in some uh, young men's lives, one of the things that 
I would think would normally come into one's mind is to, well, I'm just going to produce a big video on this. But instead, you went ahead and and did 27 short episodes that are only about five minutes long. Uh, this incremental approach, I think, is is wonderful. What was what was your thinking as you began to program it out that way? I think um, I, I think I'm a product of the culture and generation as well. It's like I've got a short attention span. I get tired of listening to my own voice after five minutes. So, um, so producing something that like is really just trying to get to the essence of it um, in a, in a short way, um, and that leaves you wanting more rather than trying to just be like, all right, I'm just going to pour a bucket on you. I've heard a definition of uh, boredom or being boring is answering questions that nobody's asking. Um, So (laughs) rather than like trying to provide all the answers all at once, more so provoke the questions, leave this like this sense of like wanting more. So that's, that's a big reason behind the episodic kind of short um, episode style. But even, uh, you know, you're, you're pointing out that these being videos, I guess just to comment very briefly on that, is w- wanting to make this as incarnational as possible, uh, like in the flesh, real life. Um, so I'm sharing my advice on discernment, you know, things I've learned, things, uh, advice that's been given to me and passed on, uh, but also showing how it applied in my own life, sharing my own stories. And trying, but not only just, not just telling my stories, but actually showing. So oftentimes we're filming on a location where like I was going through this moment in my life Mm -hmm. and wanting to make each episode uh, beautiful in its own right. So besides the advice and the storytelling being interesting or helpful, actually like the content, hopefully just being enjoyable enough to watch no matter what I'm saying um, and trying to have both of those elements in place. So how did you go to market, Father Michael, once you've you've got all of these video pieces uh, that make up this uh, 27 uh, uh, kind of episode approach? Um, how did you start to evangelize it? Now, that's a that's a great question. That's probably like the one of the harder parts um, to it. There's trying to produce something that's worthwhile and beautiful and good. Um and I was really very fortunate to have a number of people in our own backyard here in Boston. A good friend of mine, Kelsey Cronin, who works at Catholic TV, she's done a lot of the filming. Another, another friend of mine from college, he's done most of the editing. Um, so we're a really small team in producing these. Um, and a, f- a few other friends helping film as well at various points. But then when it comes to the release of it, you know, you can release something on the internet, but it's not you no know, guarantee anyone's going to watch it. So my, the director of vocations here, Father Eric Caden, he's really wonderful. He's, he's connected with lots of people and whether it's, I don't know, and all, he's the one who takes care of all that stuff. (laughs) So he knows people in the business world and marketing and publicity world. And so we worked with some of his friends uh, to really kind of get it out um, in terms of publicity and marketing. And um, what we hope to do to really make it a, um, a form of accompaniment, you know, a journey in discernment is um, we, I created some guidebooks with like reflection questions and scripture passages to pray with, to really go deeper. And then hopefully helping people to sign up for those to receive like 
you know, weekly reminders and updates to kind of walk them through that process. So uh, how's the uh, overall response been to these episodes in this program? Nobody said negative things to me about it, which is... <laughs> <laughs> so no, I've heard great things. Uh, <laughs> um, it, you know, it's even just this past weekend, I was on uh, helping out with a retreat here in, in Boston with a, um, a community called Shalom from Brazil. Um, and one of the missionaries there, she was saying she was teaching either catechesis and or it was maybe a yeah, religious ed for kids. And she wanted to talk about the evangelical councils. So she went on YouTube, typed in evangelical councils, you know, poverty, chastity, and obedience. And like my video was one that showed up. Um, so I didn't know her at all. She didn't know me at all. But then we like met this weekend and she's like, oh yeah, I showed your video. I'm like, oh, awesome. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of random stuff and I'm sure there's plenty. I mean, I only learned that because I, you know, providentially ran into her. Um, so there's lots of people who use these videos, even not necessarily just for vocations, but in mm -hmm. religious education and catechesis and just Christian living. And as we said about trusting God more, uh, but in terms of the men I work with for <laughs> discernment, a, a number have said that, okay, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm ready to apply for seminary this year. And your videos were a big part of that. Um, or, um, you know, a lot of the questions and um, advice that you're giving are really hitting home with, the questions I've been wrestling with and dealing with. So, you know, I really feel like I only get a tip of the iceberg because on the internet, it's like, I don't know who my audience is necessarily. Like they're somewhat anonymous. So only really when I actually meet people or hear back. Um, but yeah, even like married couples and priests have kind of reached out saying it's, you know, it's been helpful or beneficial for them. Uh, never mind for other people. I know that uh, our local Sarah clubs are circulating your videos. Uh, as reference points for their work in terms of encouraging vocations here in the uh, Kansas City St. Joseph Diocese. And uh, they were very excited to see this new resource that, uh, that is there because uh, we're, we're one of those dioceses that are lacking vocations and uh, they're, they're very burdened with this. And so this has been a great resource for them. I hope you're hearing from other groups around the country as well. Well, I mean, praise God for that. I, I didn't know about that. That's awesome. Uh, there, yeah. So we have heard from, for, for example, even just various Catholic media, um, like television stations um, that have been decided to pick up and run the episodes kind of in, in between some of their larger content. Um, and some online platforms want to host it in different ways as well. Um, so it's starting to kind of get out there more and more, um, which is really awesome. And, um, you know, I really hope we, we promoted it amongst the vocations directors. We had a conference over the summer and so we kind of spread word there. So hopefully, you know, my brother vocation directors are using that. And I, I would hope also like campus ministers throughout the country and college campuses. I, I feel like a target age is definitely like kind of colleges and young professionals and that audience. Father Michael, given the work you've done thus far in vocation ministry, what would you describe as some, you know, hallmarks of you know, parishes uh, uh, and or Catholic schools that um, are watering kind of seeds of vocation well, um, if, if I could kind of use that metaphor? Yeah, no, that's a, uh, 
A great question. And when it comes to parishes, especially, you know, I think of the ones that seem to be really, I guess we could say promoting vocations. You know, a big part of that is um, just the life of the priest himself. Um, when when a, a pastor or priest is like invested in his people and especially in um, men who might be open to the priesthood and kind of like either takes him under his wing or, you know, but he just like lives life with them to some extent. Um, there's a great priest here in Boston who, uh, you know, he's a, a pretty active young professional, like a young adult college age group. And I think a big part of why it's so successful is like he goes to the meetings and he hangs out with them and he invites them to the rectory for dinner, you know, and he just, um, he, he, sh he shares his life and his faith with them and they see him in action and they say like, oh, this is kind of how my experience with the, the brotherhood that I, that were my campus ministers, I saw their life, I saw their witness and I was like, hey, this is good. I could see myself doing this. So I think that the importance of like a, of witness is, is really key. Um, because it's similarly like with marriage, you know, a lot of people are struggling with kind of believing in marriage because of divorce, because of, you know, difficult family situations that they came from. And so it, it makes it harder to be like, is this worth it? Is, is, can I give myself, is this real? Um, and so seeing like good faithful marriages and people who are joyfully living out their vocation uh, that's inspiring and makes us desire it as well, whether it's for marriage or the priesthood. Uh, Father Michael, one of our, uh, probably our biggest audience is uh, Catholic administrators, Catholic teachers. And, the, and uh, as you look at schools in particular, are there some best practices, things that, that you think ought to be strong ingredients uh, in the school culture to help cultivate uh, the idea of vocation? Yeah, no, great question. I, I think when it comes to education in general, um, my belief is that like experience is important. Um, not just keeping things in the realm of theory or ideas, but like we learn in large part through experience it becomes real for us in a way that can actually like shape our lives more than just being like, okay, that's a cool idea. Um, so when it comes to vocation, um, part of it is, it comes from a relationship with Christ first and foremost, like he's the one who calls, it's like his voice that is calling us. So are we making time uh, to pray, you know, in our, in our schools? Are we making time for that? <laughs> like that silence even that is uncomfortable and awkward and difficult. Um, but it's really, the, it's in that, that time that we start to wrestle with life's questions in a much deeper way. Um, I think we like to stay busy. We like to um, keep, keep things moving, you know, and it like everything likes to be very practical, but a, a big, yeah, I think a, a vocation in large part comes from like, who am I? Who has God made me to be? Mm -hmm. um, and one, I think even just having the time and the space for that, and then maybe helping lead people into those questions. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think Eucharistic adoration is a, the best. I mean, for me, it was always where I had any breakthrough and um, vocation or my relationship with Christ um, in large part came through Eucharistic adoration. Um, 
So I would say that's, that's a really key part. If schools are able to have mass as well. Um, again, for me, that was, that was a big, uh, that was, that was huge also. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot more to it, but I, I think at first is just like recognizing the importance of addressing these questions, but also like giving some space and time for that uncomfortability for those questions to come up and actually matter. Father Michael, there's three or four schools in our, our network that I know have done really well with priestly vocations. Um, one of the things that they've done is created, you know, um, male altar server or sacristan clubs. Um, this isn't something for the, the ladies to participate in. And I know there's a two or three bishops that have a similar approach in their diocese, not allowing female altar servers. Uh, and I think those dioceses have done well with priestly vocations. Why aren't more dioceses doing this uh, to show young men like this is a, a potential path for you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that in terms of the why, I think that's above my pay grade probably. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think your observation is probably accurate in that, again, like the experience of serving at the altar um, is very close in proximity to what a priest is doing. Um, just yesterday, really beautiful. I was at a, I was at a convent, um, kind of a spiritual mother of mine, and she had a number of families there for mass. So I was celebrating their mass. And afterwards, there's a number of kids that come to this mass. And uh, two of the boys, uh, they're um, both 11 years old. And apparently a few weeks ago, after mass, you know, what parents were talking and the kids, apparently they went into the chapel by themselves and they started like playing mass. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, earlier today, so, uh, then yesterday when we went, um, uh, this religious sister kind of took the boys aside and she like had them try on the, you know, the chasuble uh, and, and like we led them to the altar and I like taught them how to say some of the prayers, you know, how to hold your hands, like things like that. And, um, and that's kind of cool, you know, like, like, again, that, ex that experience matters, you know, people like to be hands on, they learn and it's like, oh, this is real, like, you know, I, I can, I'm literally doing this, I can kind of see myself doing this. And so well, that was just beautiful and inspiring for me. But yeah, I think you're, you're right, like, um, in encouraging kids and boys in particular, if we want to promote uh, the, the priesthood um, to, uh, to, 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 to serve at mass and to be involved and to get to know the priest that way and, and to get to know the beauty of the liturgy. Oftentimes, yeah, a sign of a vocation is like a kid who really loves some mass and wants to be there and loves serving. Um, there's, there's just like some supernatural attraction and draw to, to serve God in this way. I know <clears throat> father Michael, that uh, uh, our school is one of the schools that uh, Kyle was mentioning we we do we have the guardians of the altar hmm. and it's it's really neat to also have that uh opportunity for those spontaneous conversations where kids just say or ask something mm -hmm. in the midst of um just getting ready for mass or uh you know the other day we were just sitting down and one of them was asking we have our uh i have another priest that's our chaplain and uh he was sitting with one of the students and the student just said, what's it like to live a celibate life? And uh, <clears throat> it was an opportunity for, because that's a question that a lot of the young men are really wrestling with, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of neat to see that. 
Um, I guess, is there a way that, uh, that uh, let's say that a teacher or something can plant those kinds of seeds, even in a school where that type of dynamic isn't present in other ways? Yeah. Um, no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I do think, you know, that um, one of the things you've, you've both shared kind of reminds me of a, there's a diocese that I know where the first assignment for the priests um, is oftentimes in a school, like their first year or two, they're in a high school and they're, they're teaching um, in a classroom and uh, involved in the life of the school. And they have a lot of vocations coming out of their high schools as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't in Boston, we don't have too many priest chaplains, like fully immersed in the schools. Uh, I hope that changes someday and we, we get back to that. Um, but as a result, most of our priestly vocations come from our colleges and later on as well. And I think just in the Northeast, like people kind of make decisions later on in life. We're like, oh, I got to go to college and then I'll figure out life. Um, <laughs> um, but if you're in a, for, for teachers that are in a school that doesn't have a priest chaplain, um, I think one of the things they can do, well, one is like get to know priests and try to invite them into the school. Um, mm-hmm. I was this Friday, I'm going to be going in to a middle school and I'll be doing some teaching masses with uh, the different uh, classes there. Um, so it was that teacher's initiative reaching out to me that got me in. Um, so I would say that that's, that's a really big thing. Um, it's again, that witness of vocations. Um, but I think one is, um, having, having a great love, uh, for the priesthood and the Eucharist, like one, you know, we can't give something we don't have. It just like, whether that's Mm -hmm. in the faith, like it has to be authentic. It has to be real. Like kids know if it's not. Um, so first and foremost, is just like growing in a greater love and appreciation for the beauty of the priesthood and the Eucharist itself. And then uh, starting to share that love, especially like of the sacraments, I think, um, and recognizing like really only the priest can do this, you know, and kind of showing like the, the beauty of the priesthood and the importance of the priesthood. So that it's actually like, oh, this is worthwhile. This is good. Um, And I think a lot of times we just take the priesthood for granted. and the sacraments for granted. So I, I think a, a lay teacher could definitely, um, by their own love of the sacraments, start to convey the importance of them and of the priesthood to their students. Father Michael, it's not a secret that the job of, of a priest uh, is getting increasingly challenging and complex. You alluded to you know, your first assignment where you had this joint parish concept, 10 masses over a weekend f- for funerals. Um, you know, the nuncio uh, in the U.S. is saying there's, there's more folks turning down. Uh, Bishop uh, asks because that job in turn is, is um, complex. So what would you say to folks who just look at how stretched many of our priests are um, and say, that's just way too much to ask. Yeah. For if they're like, if they're considering the priesthood and they're like, Oh, that's overwhelming. Yeah. I, I would say try being a parent, parent, you know, <laughs> if you've ever had kids, you know, um, I, I mean, I haven't, but I know parents, uh, sure. right. <laughs> and so like, 
um you know there's a joke about um like having your your fifth child and it's like what's that like having a fifth child and it's like well imagine drowning and then somebody hands you a baby (laughs) (laughs) so i mean life is hard vocations are hard um i don't I, you know, yeah, the priesthood is difficult, but so is anything that's like worthwhile and involves love and sacrifice. So like, um, like staying, staying close to Christ and like obeying Christ, like God's not going to ask us to do something we can't do. He's going to give us the grace to, or he, I mean, that we can't do without him anyway, <laughs> uh, with him. Um, so yeah. And, and just being obedient to him, like, yeah, there people might be wanting to place all these burdens and responsibilities on me, but ultimately it's like, what is he calling me to do and being faithful to that and recognizing, I, I love the words of uh, Pope John, the 23rd, um, you know, the story goes when, before he would go to bed, you know, he's the Pope, he's got the whole weight of the church on his shoulders of the whole world. And before going to bed, he would be like, it's your church, Lord. I'm going to bed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so you're the savior not me uh so i think i think we need to get past yeah our our, definitely our pride of like oh i've got to do all this by myself right um but really just yeah being faithful trusting christ and following him yeah it seems to me that uh sometimes there is this sense that uh men are putting up with the priesthood rather than actually entering in and um so is there, uh, again, looking at uh, the issue of vocation, uh, are there things that priests need to do, do you think, uh, in, just in their everyday ministries to help stir the idea of vocation in a more uh, appealing way? I guess that's the best way I can put it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, and this might be related to the previous question as well of like things being busy, this administrator type role and being overwhelmed by everything going on. Um, last year I was going through uh, St. Gregory, the Great's pastoral rule uh, book. And in that, I think it was in the introduction, actually, it's talking about what is the conception of, of a priest, you know, in, as a shepherd in, in the West, we've, for the most part, defined our priesthood according to what we call the three munera, um, the three offices of the priest as priest, prophet, and king. So right. priest being like the sacraments and blessing and the sanctifying. There's a prophet in terms of the preaching and the teaching office um, of the priesthood. And then as king, kind of like governance of a, a parish and administration and things like that. So those are all kind of three things that a priest does. Um, And those are really important, really defining of a priest's ministry. But what St. Gregory is talking about, and on a much deeper level, a priest is a father. You know, he's a father to his people. Uh, We call a priest father, right? Um, And this is a, a vocation that's written in the heart of every man, you know, to be a husband, to be a father, and to... So I think one is as priests, we, we living that reality more deeply out. And it seems like that's in the past year, there's been a lot of emphasis on this, whether it's the consecration, you know, the year of St. Joseph and consecration to him, uh, like Jacques Philippe just came out with a book about the, the fatherhood of the priest. Um, 
Father Griffin Carter talking about uh, his book of celibacy and um, the fatherhood of the priest. So it seems to be like this theme that's growing, which I think is beautiful because, uh, yeah, as, as men, um, before we're priests, we're first and foremost men. And so we're called to fatherhood and we live that out through the priesthood. So I think one, living that out more intensely, one that will just naturally inspire, but even how we speak about vocation of a priest being a spiritual father in that kind of resonating, I think, with the hearts of a lot of men. My final question, Father Michael, is two-prong. Um, you know, in your role, you've gotten to know uh, quite well the challenges that face uh, young men who are going through discernment. Um, you've gone through that period yourself. Uh, so what would you like to say to, you know, young men who are in a period of discernment right now for, you know, their, their next chapter and the parents of, of those young men uh, who are in that stage as well? Yeah, uh, I think my advice would be pretty similar to both. And I love to, to echo the words of St. John Paul II at his, uh, his first, um, his first uh, mass as Pope of like, be not afraid like open wide the doors to Christ, um, like invite Jesus into every area of your heart, like all those questions, those doubts, those fears, insecurities that you have, like invite him in and let him bring his light in. Cause that's the only way we're going to experience like peace and joy. I mean, if he's calling you to be a priest, that's awesome. If he's not, that's awesome too. It's like, but he's calling you to be a saint. And the only way we're going to do that is like with Christ in our life and doing our father's will. Um, and then same for parents as well is like, I mean, the hardest thing in the world is letting your, your kid grow up <laughs> and becoming their own uh, man or uh, becoming a young woman. Um, and uh, like trusting that God loves them even more than you do <laughs> yeah. and that he's going to take care of them. Um, and to, yeah, to not live, try to live vicariously through your kids, but like let them follow the path that God has in store for them. Definitely praying for them, encouraging them, but being able to like let go to a certain extent as well. Well, that's, that's great advice. And uh, yeah, I really like that idea. Be not afraid as, you know, just to let God change your heart to move into that idea of the priesthood. If that be your calling in your, uh, you know, ultimately in life, Father Michael, we're so glad that you were with us today. Now, if people are curious about these 27 videos, how can they find them on YouTube? Yeah. So our channel is called Vocations Boston, and that's the same as our Facebook page. But if you look Vocations Boston, uh, you'll be able to find the series called Shivias, which means know the ways, know the ways of the Lord. Um, mm -hmm. That spell, it's a little tricky spelling, S-C-I-V-I-A-S. Um, but it's called Shivias, and the channel is Vocations Boston. I hear you're also putting together four new episodes. Yes. Uh, so there's four... Go ahead. Yeah. So the four episodes, we're calling them Fiat follow-up. Uh, so they're kind of following up on the series. The first 27 episodes in large part are about coming to know the ways of the Lord, you know, the name of it. Um, and, but recognizing when it comes to God's will, it's one thing to know it, but we also got to like do it. We got to put it into practice. So the four follow-up episodes are really just like an encouragement to like well, yeah, to have courage to, to act upon what you've learned and what you've gained and to take steps uh, forward. 
Okay, wonderful. Well, I'm, I know that uh, we'll have a lot of people that'll probably uh, get onto YouTube and take a look at these great videos. They're well done too, by the way, and uh, appreciate all of those labors. We're so glad that you've been with us today. I think the area of vocation is something that's so inherently tied to Catholic education that uh, we really hope that this stirs up some additional interest. Uh, and for our uh, viewers and our listeners, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and to leave a comment to encourage us concerning future programming. Uh, we'd like to take time to thank our intern, Alex Shire, for assisting in the production of this podcast. Again, Father Michael, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Father Andy. Thanks, Kyle. It's great being here. And may Almighty God bless you all. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altam Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith, or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God right here on Follow to Lead.